You're listening to Digital Now, an original business and technology podcast by Logic 2020. I'm your host, Matt Treville. Each episode, I'll be interviewing a new expert to learn more about industry trends, fascinating new tech, shifting customer expectations, and the steps every business can take to stay ahead. Um, I'm Tejan Gabisi. I'm your guest host for the podcast this month. And we wanted to talk about digital product innovation. We have uh, Paul Lee that's here to kind of, in terms of being the subject matter expert, to discuss digital product innovation at Logic 2020 and just in general. Um, Paul Lee here, uh, Senior Manager at Logic 2020 in the Digital Transformation Practice. Uh, I've been spending the last couple of years on one of our telecommunications clients as a AI ML product manager. Um, I spent about eight years in consulting over the past decade in digital product management and uh, seen a lot of different types of innovation come out of that. Um, AI ML has been around for a long time, um, but the adoption of it has been incre- increasing and improving a lot more lately. So it's, it's fascinating to see how it has impacted digital product innovation over the past five, 10 years. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about that today with Tejan. Sounds good. I kind of want to get just started just kind of talking about digital product innovation. I know Paul and, and I, we, we discuss offline in terms of our thoughts on, on digital product innovation and just product development and product management in general. Um, I've been a product owner, product manager in the past as well. So I definitely have my thoughts, but we definitely want to get into to what's kind of the cutting edge today, especially when you kind of look at AI and ML. And just looking back at digital product innovation and what was innovation five to 10 years ago, it, it, things have changed significantly, especially when you kind of you start talking about AI and ML. So I guess, Paul, can you give me your thoughts in terms of just, just talking about digital, what's digital product innovation and what were your thoughts on that in, in today's world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, about five, 10 years ago, uh, when we talk about digital product innovation with clients, they'd want to build a mobile application or a web application. Uh, and we con- kind of design out uh, a three to six month MVP with them to see what that would look like and um, how to build software. But fast forward to today, now everyone's got a mobile app, everyone's got an e-commerce website or, or a website and whatnot. So now they want to know, okay, how can we move to the next level, uh, adopt data science, machine learning, AI, all these buzzwords out there to increase processes and all that. And so it's kind of fascinating to see now that they're in the next stage of their digital development and innovation and seeing a lot more data science teams out there being adopted um, in part of the digital world. I guess the next, I want to kind of switch uh on the same topic still, but kind of talk about the difference between AI and ML. I know since I'm an actual mechanical engineer, I, I know what I think of when I think about AI and also what I think about when, when someone says ML. And I've, I've seen it where some people have um, put them together and say essentially they're the same thing. I don't think they're the same thing, but want to give you a, a chance, Paul, to kind of Talk about what what do you see the what is the difference between AI and ML? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, as part of my job, uh, a lot of it has to do with sort of educating stakeholders, explaining to them the differences between AI, ML, uh, deep learning, all these buzzwords in in the community. And so, artificial intelligence 
is basically any sort of computer technique uh, that can be used to automate uh, human decision making. Um, and so artificial intelligence uh, can be a number of different things. It's kind of the big umbrella bucket of things. And even above artificial intelligence is data science. So data science can be used to create models, predictions, and all sorts of things. Uh, but when you go down sort of into artificial intelligence, there's multiple ways to do human decision making uh, through machines. And one of them, one technique is called machine learning. And machine learning requires a lot of data <clears throat> in order to create a model uh, to predict uh, human decision making. Um, but machine learning isn't the only one uh, sort of solution that exists in the market uh, as part of AI. So AI is more of the umbrella bucket of um, sort of the data science uh, AI ML world. And then <clears throat> within AI uh, is machine learning. And then within machine learning, there's several different frameworks and techniques that uh, data scientists and machine learning engineers can use to apply machine learning. One popular example that we use with one of my clients is deep learning. Um, <clears throat> it requires a lot of uh, modeling with neural networks, training it with a lot of different data sets, um, teaching the model how to think like a human. Uh, and over time, uh, it only gets better. And so the way I explain to my stakeholders how it works is imagine raising a baby. Uh, and when you have a baby, you teach the baby, um, you know, different objects as it, as it gets older. And for example, when you want to teach a baby what is a spoon, uh, you show it an object of a spoon. And you tell the baby, hey, this is a spoon. This is what you eat with. Um, but then the baby doesn't understand anything else, any of the other utensils. And so <clears throat> you show the baby multiple types of spoons, sort of the shape of the spoon. So you show it a wooden spoon, a plastic spoon, an aluminum or a metal spoon. And you say, hey, these are all spoons. Uh, and so then the baby starts look, using this sort of training data to understand, okay, when an object looks like that, it's a spoon I can use it to eat. When you show the baby a knife or a chopstick or a fork, then the baby's going to realize that's not a spoon. It doesn't look like any of the other objects that I was trained to understand uh, in the world. And so <clears throat> machine learning is very similar to that. Uh, at a very basic uh, stage, you teach it uh, certain data uh, to, to understand, hey, this is the right answer. And then when it recognizes that uh, similar image or, or audio or speech again, it'll be like, okay, it's similar to that. So I think it's that. And so it's, uh, that's basically how uh, our machine learning models work. And so once you teach it more and more data, uh, the, the baby can become smarter and smarter. So you can teach it larger data sets in terms of, hey, now that you know these are spoons, you can say, hey, this is what a wooden spoon looks like. And you show it 20 different images of a wooden spoon. This is what a metal spoon looks like. And you show it 20 different types of metal spoons and sizes. And this is what a plastic spoon looks like. And so over time, the baby gets smarter or the machine model gets smarter. And that's essentially machine learning. You feed it several different data sets uh, to make it smarter and smarter over time. So it takes a lot of time and investment in order for it to um, become highly accurate. I know a lot of people have heard algorithms or algorithms some of their favorite products is that i guess would you tie that into email into email learning or what um it depends you can make hybrid ml models with algorithms but necessarily mm -hmm. no machine learning was more around data sets and mm -hmm. training it with neural networks um algorithm is another sort of technique that you can use to apply in artificial intelligence you can use very complex if then statements different types of algorithms out there to create different uh, solutions for different AI use cases. Mm -hmm. um, but but generally, um, 
you know, the very popular technique used in artificial intelligence is machine learning, uh, whether it's in speech, in audio, and image uh, recognition. Uh, a lot of different companies such as Amazon and Google for the Alexa and the Google Assistant, even Apple Siri, they all use speech recognition, audio recognition, um, which is basically just machine learning. Uh, I teach it a bunch of words um, and then it'll understand how, how people talk. Got it. Got it. Got it. I guess um, you kind of touched on this a little bit already um, during the podcast, but can you just, just go into more detail in terms of how is how is AI and ML transforming product innovation today? Yeah, absolutely. So companies always want to stay ahead or at least competitive uh, to their competitors, and they're noticing a rapid adoption of machine learning and AI in the market right now. And there's several use cases um, you know, at home and also at, at, in the workplace, you're starting to see AI ML everywhere. You're starting to see it on your iPhone. You're starting to see it in you know, your Alexa. Um, even in the workplace, you're starting to see call centers use it. And so it's interesting to see a lot of uh, executives wanting to learn more about it and adopt it. However, AI ML, um, it's not sort of a one size fits all. It doesn't fit every use case out there. And so there's a lot of sort of discovery um, that needs to be done in education that needs to be done between the data science teams, the business stakeholders, the product teams to really understand the, the use case, the workflows within each business department and whether it makes sense to even invest and adopt um, artificial intelligence. And so it depends on what you're trying to do because essentially AI is um, a tool used to simplify or automate human decision-making and make it fast. It's not something where it's going to just automate um, very uh, mundane and um, uh, manual intensive tasks. Uh, it can, but not always. And every use case, sometimes you'd rather prefer to make a bot or use some sort of algorithm um, that, that that's commonly used in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. So can you, I guess, talk about how your, your product team is utilizing AI and ML for your clients? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll try to keep it a little confidential, but uh, mainly consult for a large telecom provider. Uh, they obviously have call centers. And these call centers um, have lots of metrics to reduce call time because more call time spent uh, is more dollars for the client. And so uh, we've investigated several different artificial intelligence solutions out there. So there's chatbot solutions. You can use chatbots to understand when a customer message is in, um, how to respond to that customer intelligently. Um, there's also when you talk to a live agent, uh, similar to on your iPhone, when somebody calls you and they leave a voicemail, you know, you look at your voicemail, you can see your voicemail being transcribed into words and you can actually read your voicemail on your phone. We've created a technology in-house for our client uh, called ASR, Automatic Speech Recognition. So uh, when a customer and an agent speak live on the telephone, uh, our model will transcribe that audio into um, words, essentially, and store a transcript. That transcript can then downstream into several different AI use cases. Uh, for example, we can do uh, conversation prediction. So if a customer calls in about, hey, um, you know, uh, I noticed there's a a new charge on my bill this month. I didn't, I didn't add that. Why is it there? Uh, a lot of confusion. And so we use a lot of these transcription and models that can recognize these past conversations and predict when it would make sense. Hey, 
instead of a customer calling in and spending more of our agent's time and dollars, why don't we just look at previous conversation history or even help the agents in real time, quickly understand what a customer is calling about or what their intent is, and then send them um, notifications so that they can self-serve themselves within the phone uh, or the mobile app, or so they don't have to call into customer care, or they could solve it, or we could solve it through AI uh, without having to talk to a live agent. And so um, those are very common use cases in the call centers. Um, and then obviously the chatbot is another uh, sort of solution uh, referred to as conversational AI. Mm -hmm. How many agents are we talking um, in terms of that this, this product is, is processing? Yeah, so uh, initially we, uh, we were trying to scale it to 17 call centers in the U.S. Uh, even more so around the globe. Uh, there's about 30,000 agents uh, in the entire world, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, geographically located, obviously, um, to solve these. And so when you when you test an AI solution, you know, in a couple call centers, sort of as a proof of concept, uh, an MVP, um, and then you see it work, and then you kind of uh, expand it uh, rapidly or, domestically all over the U.S. and then globally, uh, the amount of cost savings you see is tremendous. Uh, at first, it was, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. And then once we scaled it to 30,000 agents, it quickly became $20 million of cost savings, you know, just wow. saving a few seconds on a call for these agents that get millions of calls a month. Um, you multiply that about 30,000 agents. It, it's a lot of money and dollars that could be uh, redistributed around the enterprise. So. Wow. Wow. And then you're saying globally. So this this product, it could transcribe in English and other languages as well. Is it, does it work that way? Or can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, mm -hmm. that is a um, an industry wide, um, I would say, uh, challenge that we're trying to solve. Uh, mm -hmm. So. Apple, Amazon, Google, all with their Alexa and Siri and all that um, are also having trouble uh, transcribing different accents, uh, different people who, you know, are English as a second language for them, mm -hmm. uh, or also speak English in combination with another language like Spanglish or something like that. Um, and we're constantly trying to find ways to prioritize uh, which one do we want to, uh, we call it fine tune in our model. Mm -hmm. And so that is a is definitely a popular issue in the marketplace. So if you mm -hmm. talk to your Alexa and you speak to it in Spanglish, it might not really understand the accuracy of what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. You also talk to it with a sort of a uh, a unique accent in the United States. You know, there's different there's Southern accents, there's Northeast Eastern accents, uh, California accents. From what I've heard, living in California, but you know the models are only trained on just like a baby. If it's trained on a bunch of data. And recognizes California accents, but then all of a sudden you feed it a Southern accent, it, it, the accuracy and its ability to understand what you're saying goes down a lot. And mm -hmm. so, in order to get its accuracy back up, you need to train it with a lot of different data sets, um, essentially the data set you're trying to improve. And so, uh, right now at the client, we are prioritizing certain offshore call centers, such as mm -hmm. centers in the Philippines and India, certain parts of Europe that have um, accents, English accents. And so um, by doing that, we're going to improve the accuracy and essentially downstream metrics, and it, it'll become very uh, impactful to the business at that point. You got it. Got it. And I guess earlier you were talking about how I guess from the call center, the agent, 
as this, this product is transcribing, it's, it's recommending things to the agent. Does the customer get recommendations as well, like to their, um, I guess, specific recommendations, or how does that work? Or is that how it works? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends. Um, there's different use cases why a customer might call in. Uh, a lot of the volume that customers tend to call in about is problems with their bill, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, if you think of reasons why you would call your telecom provider. Um, Probably it's when it involves money on your account. And so uh, we've found ways to use our model to proactively send them notifications and let them know that we are aware of issues on their bill. And there are here are the steps you can take to solve it and click, mm-hmm. you know, a workflow uh, where you could submit a request and then we can uh, review it internally and then we can um, remove it from your bill or make a decision on that. Uh, in real time, uh, for the agent, we also have models where, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but when you call a call center, uh, an agent puts you on hold when you ask them a difficult question, they will essentially go into their internal company Wikipedia and search up, um, you know, your question, different questions like that and search through tens of thousands of articles that take uh, anywhere between like two and 10 minutes of call time. Sometimes you're on the call for 30 minutes and you can see why it's so frustrating because they have to shift, shift through dozens of articles. Whereas our models can take the transcription in real time, understand quickly what a customer and agent are talking about and pull the most uh, five top relevant articles to recommend to the agent. Those articles are uh, relevant to the call and then the agent doesn't have to actually swivel through all of these thousands of articles. They can quickly look up the article, uh, popped up in front of them on the screen, uh, scan it, find the answer, and then uh, talk to the customer and get back to them right away. And that um, reduces call, uh, what we call call resolution time or CRT uh, mm-hmm. tremendously, uh, mm-hmm. minutes uh, off the call. And so that's a huge, huge business impact. Okay. I guess one last thing I want to kind of touch on Kai, uh, is kind of with chat bots. I've talked to previous clients and they've noted how i guess they've had issues getting people to really engage on chat bots or people get frustrated i guess what would you say is kind of the biggest difference between you know, the online chat bot and, and kind of how your tool works i know they obviously they use ai and ml to a certain degree but um, i guess what's what are some of the biggest differences or or benefits of, of, of the product that, that you leave yeah chat bots definitely have uh, several stages of evolution, meaning, um, you know, it, it, it's not meant to solve every issue at the moment, but it will get there eventually. So it's meant to solve a lot of general uh, pain points that customers have. And then when customers message in about very unique pain points um, uh, catered to themselves, then that's when the chatbot doesn't work all the time and you have to go get routed to a live agent. And so uh, it'll capture probably 50% of issues that customers message in about. But then the other 50%, um, you know, the chatbot is going to have to learn over time, just like any AI model. Um, one interesting roadmap item I've been talking to vendors about uh, with my clients is this concept of natural language generation, NLG. Mm-hmm. And so what that is, is uh, uh, the chatbot sounds very robotic. It's a very big pain point. Customers don't like talking to a chatbot. If the chatbot can send you messages that, you know, look and feel like how you would talk and recognize instantly how you would talk, 
uh, that would uh, dramatically increase the customer satisfaction. Um, and so there's there's a lot of roadmaps uh, by large tech companies working to develop NLG. Um, and also for people who are in the accessibility area who can't, uh, maybe they're blinded, they can't read the actual uh, messaging. Uh, then we will also create this thing called uh, text-to-speech, TTS. So we have speech-to-text, which is transcribing your audio uh, into your voicemail and then you can read the words. But then what about back from words to speech? Mm -hmm. And so there's that as well to accommodate to those types of customers or even customers who don't who can't read it, let's say they're busy doing something or multitasking and they want to just kind of um, the computer to talk back to them, but they don't want it to sound robotic. Um, this text-to-speech solution could also work where uh, you can customize how you want to hear the audio. And so, you know, just like on Siri, it's kind of usually like a British woman or like an Australian man, <laughs> a male voice. Um, but in the future, they're going to eventually create um, uh, speech uh, accents uh, into whatever you want. You can have it sound like yourself as well. And mm -hmm. so these are, you know, various stages in the chat uh, bot world that I'm starting to see across several vendors and they recognize the weaknesses that they have, which is they can't solve all the difficult ones, but they also can't solve right now, um, you know, the, the look and feel of being so robotic. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, this tool uh, that you're, I guess you're absolutely leading, definitely, Seems like it definitely saves your company or your client a lot of money and a lot of time in terms of uh, making, helping the agents become more efficient um, during the process of interacting with the customers. And I, I would also expect that they're driving up the customer satisfaction, uh, overall customer satisfaction as well, too. Thanks, Paul. Really appreciate your time today and kind of really going into uh, this topic. Uh, so really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me anytime. I really had a lot of fun talking about this topic and I'd love to talk more about it in the future. Thanks. You've been listening to Logic 2020's podcast, Digital Now. To learn more, visit our website at logic2020.com or follow us on social media. See you next time.